this week we're talking about uh, our dreams and our hopes for the future. So sometimes we're up at night longing for things and working toward things, aiming to get the things that we want, that we dream of, that will make us happy. And I couldn't help but be reminded of a story that seared into my brain when I was three years old. I began uh, getting ready for my birthday, and I don't know if any of you remember this feeling as a kid of having the JCPenney toy catalog. Do you remember that? Yeah. Do you remember the smell? They have a smell and that crinkle, and I would sit in my bed and circle, and I would have everything dog-eared, and I'd have big, long lists. Nate winked, too. So, I'm good now. Today, today really is about surrender. That was the, that is, that is the theme. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh gosh. It, well, for me, at age three, it wasn't J.C. Penny. It was Sears. And I wanted, more than anything, for my third birthday, a 16-inch, two-stroke, Husqvarna, gas-powered chainsaw. <laughs> we grew up on a, on a farm, so somewhat of a farm, and I was convinced this was my path to happiness. I imagined myself cutting everything in the forest, just cutting all the time. And I made a case to my parents to why this was a good idea. I would help around the farm. I was so excited. <sighs> so... Um, so all my effort, my work, my longing, my dreaming, my pitches, I got to my birthday, and there was a box. And it was the right size, and it was the right shape. And I got to this box, and I fully believing, shaking with anticipation, ready to cut down everything in the forest. Oh, I opened it up. Yeah, it was. I saw the box. I pull out this cheap toy chainsaw, and honest to goodness, I was one upset three-year-old. I was genuinely, I felt ripped off. And I, out of spite, turned it on. And I, look, I, I don't remember, I'm three, but I'm told I did something dramatic, like <laughs> proving that they gave me worthless, and it was not what I had asked for. It was a ripoff, is what it was. In fact, there's a photo of me that night. <laughs> now, it looks like in this photo that I'm a happy boy, but there is searing fury inside of that three-year-old. And I am attempting to prove, look, I can't cut the tree down, Mom, Dad. <clears throat> I don't know, are you... Uh, is that a picture of how life has been for you for a while? Are you, are you disappointed? Maybe you've had uh, catalogs on, in life that you've been looking at. Maybe it's not a chainsaw. Maybe you've been aiming for a new job. Maybe you're aiming to get out of your job. Maybe you've anchored your well-being in if 
Your husband stops doing X or your wife begins doing Y. Or what if you just got healthy? Or maybe you need your sister to finally apologize for what she did years ago and, and, and until she does it. Is this, is this not happened? You know, are you finding yourself holding a cheap imitation in life of what you've hoped for? Many of us are there. If we stop and, and think and go, yeah, I am angry or I'm disillusioned. I'm living in reactive mode. I'm stuck in my job. I haven't done anything about it. I haven't done anything to improve my marriage. My grades stink in school, but oh well. And we're living with this fake version of what we'd hoped for. Or maybe you're actually in proactive mode. You're, you're in these magazines and catalogs, I mean, pouring over what you think will fulfill you. It's the promotion. It's getting fitter. Whatever it is that you, if you take stock, even for the next five or seconds as I'm speaking, and think, what do you believe by your actions will make you happy, will give you fulfillment? What are you hoping for? What are you dreaming for? Well, there's a third way. If, if, if way one is being stuck in reactive mode, mourning your disappointments, and foregoing hope for a good future, and option two is being in proactive mode, which is I'm going to figure out what I want, I'm going to figure out how to get it. Which is, by the way, the secular message for how to succeed. Hire a business coach, I'll prove it to you. You define the ideal outcome, you reverse engineer a set of steps, you make a plan, you write it down, and you pursue it at all costs. You want to see somebody who's really unhappy. It's not someone who didn't get what they want. It's someone who got everything they wanted and realized it's still a cheap imitation of real life. But God very clearly illustrates how and what he wants to do for our life. So I have news for you, if you haven't heard this, if you have, I'm going to remind you that God's plans for you are better than your plans for you. There's a lot in that statement. First, I'm going to pull out what I call a coffee cup verse. You know what a coffee cup verse is? If you go into a Christian store, there's a 99% chance there's a coffee cup with this verse on it. So those of you who've been around the block in the church for a while, I want you to hear this with fresh ears. If you're new to following Jesus or you're not following Jesus, hear this for the first time and understand how good news it is. Jeremiah chapter 29, 11, God tells us what he has for us. He said, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And furthermore, as we have been focusing on over the last year, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, this has been the theme, it's been a a heartbeat of what we feel God has been saying to us as a family, this church family, for over a year. And I'm giving it to you also in a fresh translation, a different wording so that you hear it differently today. I want you to think about it and hear it and, and engage the scripture differently today. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. 
But he does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us. His spirit deeply and gently within us. So God has a plan for us. It's a good one. And he's smarter than we are. And this plan is better than your wildest dreams. And so we're going to talk today about how can we partner with the Holy Spirit to follow God's plan for us. And whether you're in the reactive mode of letting life happen to you, or you're in proactive mode and you're in hot pursuit of that corner office or whatever your chainsaw is, listen today and see if God gives you a fresh thought, a fresh way for how to partner with him in receiving and following his plan. So, you know who we're going to look at is King David. Gosh, he was a stud. Uh, he was like the model king. Uh, ruled around 1000 B.C. So this is a long time ago. And he wrote many songs and poems through the book of, of Psalms. And Psalm 37, I would love to go through the whole thing with you today. I encourage you to read it thoughtfully. Chew on it. Uh, Psalms sometimes can can feel a little jumbled to me, but if you read it and go through slowly, you will feel God speaking to you about how David, David the stud, how he partnered with God to live out his plan for him. So there are, but I don't have time to go through it all, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to pull out five verses, verbatim, and they're actually uh, chronological through the scriptures. It starts out, I'm going to start with verse three, and I'll end with verse 24, and I'm going to take a few of them, and I'm going to walk you through these five and listen to what David says about not being stuck doing nothing, not being stuck trying to get what you want, but what does God say? How does, he, how does David follow God in this? So number one, which is Psalm 37, three, verse three, seek your happiness in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. We could talk the rest of today on that. Let me say it Jim's way. I'm going to reverse it. You know, if I'm making God number one, I will find that my heart's desires are being fulfilled. In fact, if I'm focusing on my relationship with God, much like we heard Nasha talking about, over time, he begins to change us. And do you know our very desires become that which he wants to give us? It would almost be like if over time I began to want to go to Ray's ice cream in Royal Oak and say, do you have... Um, you know, the broccoli with the grass-fed beef cone? Do you have the keto cone? Is there such a thing? You know, whereas junk food would taste good. Or wouldn't it be amazing if the things we actually wanted were the things that were good for us? This is how God works. When we put him first and seek him, he begins to change us over time and our very desires become that which he has for us. It's too good to be true, but it is. So David said, number one, start there. Don't make, don't listen to the business coach, the life coach who says, visualize what you want and then figure out how to get it. No, no. Focus on Jesus. That's step one. Step two. Now, we don't just sit around, most of us, like monks and just, hmm, and, and focus on him. We have to go to work. We have to raise children and we have things to do. So he said, number two, commit everything you do. Everything. Most things? Does it, does it say most things? Some, some things, you know. No, the really important things you commit. 
to the Lord. No, everything. Everything. Commit everything you do. Submit, surrender everything to God. Now, this must be hard to do because David pauses and actually says, uh, you're going to have to trust him. When you submit and, and give, I was not submitting the chainsaw at age three. I wanted the chainsaw. But David's saying, don't do that. Commit everything. Number three, once you've committed everything and you're focused on God, uh, in an ancient translation, it says, do what Nasha does. But uh, I don't have that translation today. Um, because Nasha articulated it so well, be still, stop. I have some really good news for some tired, burned out people. Stop your striving. You're fighting way harder than God intended or is inviting. That's you, that's you who are in proactive mode. If you be still after having submitted everything, you will see that God will care for you. Now, this must be also difficult to do. It must be very hard to stop, isn't it? I know it is, because I want to do things to accomplish my goals. That's why I'm wired. But David says in the second part of the verse, wait patiently for him to act. And notice patiently. He didn't just say wait. So it's kind of like when I talk to my kids and say, oh, wait, just a minute. That's one thing. When I say, now, I'm going to need you to be patient with dad because we have a lot to do at the store. David is saying, you might not just have to wait, but set yourself to be patient, because this could take a while. All right, are we following step one? Seek him first, put everything else second. Number two, commit everything we do, work, family, health, life, future. Commit it all, surrender, say you, I, I'm, I'm all in with you. Number three, then wait. <sighs> and wait patiently. And this must be really hard, because then he says, and don't worry. It's not a stop worrying. Has anyone seen the Bob Newhart uh, comic thing where, uh, I'm old, aren't I? Do you guys remember Bob Newhart? <laughs> Never mind. It's pretty funny on YouTube. He's a counselor, and the person comes in and tells him her problems, and he says, stop it. Just stop it. That's his whole counseling answer to everything. <laughs> That's not what David's saying. He's not saying, stop it. Stop worrying. He's saying, you don't have to worry. You can be free from worry. Nasha also articulated it well. We're humans, so it is a daily exchange. There are miracles. It happens more often than we expect and believe. And so there can be the ping of total freedom. But sometimes we have to walk it out. And David's encouraging us to do it. So number four, after some period of waiting, maybe a while, verse 23 says, the Lord will direct your steps to the godly. Ooh, that's not me. No, it is you. Because in step one, you said, Jesus, I'm in. I'm aiming for you. Yeah, I, I get off track. I'm not doing a good job, but I'm in. And he says, that's good. Then you're mine. And so you're in. You're godly. And he will direct your steps. Verse four, or this uh, point four from, from uh, verse 23. This is where there's often a, 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 a crux because this is where we have to perceive what God's communicating to us. We have to hear it. We have to sense it. We have to know it. And without this step, we're in that waiting phase going, did I miss it? Am I, should I be doing something? I mean, God's not showing up. We're wringing our hands. So here is where we need to 
begin to learn and practice how to have that conversation we heard Nasha talking about with God, where we're conversing and asking questions and dynamically receiving his guidance. So, I'm being redundant, but I'm hoping that we'll all remember this. Number one, all in with Jesus, him first. Number two, then commit everything you do, big and small. Then pause. Don't take immediate action. Don't think you know what you should do. You don't. We don't. He's smarter than we are. So, wait until number four, he directs our steps. And just in case you didn't catch it, in verse five, David says, and by the way, he delights in every detail. Some details, most details, every detail. Uh, does anybody know someone who prays for parking spots? <laughs> Go ahead. If your heart's okay, you can chat with Jesus and be like, oh gosh. Go ahead. Every detail. He's there. He gets us. He knows. He had to find a parking spot for his donkey, I think, from time to time. And then number five is verse 24. David makes the point that we're going to stumble. We're going to get tripped up. This isn't smooth sailing. The world has difficulty. But two things. We're not going to fall fatally. It's not going to be critical. We will carry through. And how? By close contact with God. Step five is step one. We start by putting him first, making all the things I want. I want to renovate my garage. I'm actually shopping for new undershirts. Um, I mean, there's so many things I want. I got I to gotta push that out, and I got to step number one, Jesus. And then step five is like, don't forget this whole process as you go, as you're waiting. You don't wait by yourself. You don't commit by yourself. You're doing it with Jesus, holding his hand in close contact. And he will carry us through. So let me summarize that. As it, it, I'm going to boil it down even further. So those five points now, I don't want to reduce Scripture, but let me just boil it down to the five points again. So seek God above all else. Commit everything, every part of your life and everything you do to him. And then stop. You at this point, if you are type A and you are wired for the proactive approach at life, you are going to struggle with the stopping and waiting Waiting till you see or feel or hear his direction. Then follow his directions, whatever they are, and go all in and do it. And then remain in contact with God throughout. So there's a continuum, isn't there, that I've described? Where on the one hand, we have the proactive approach of getting your catalogs. What are your catalogs? Even as I'm speaking, I challenge you to jot down the things that if you were honest with yourself, they are the things you think will fulfill you. Those are the things you hope. Those are your catalogs that you're dreaming of and you're chasing after it. The other end of the spectrum, right, are those of us who are kind of stuck on the couch. We're being reactive to life. Maybe it's Maybe it's too risky to hope again. Maybe, you were, maybe, maybe it's a lot worse than a cheap toy that you were handed. But I'm offering you this idea, I'm proposing to you that David laid out Jesus' way, the responsive way, where we stand with him, 
focused on God, and then we respond to what he leads. And that that is how we navigate our dreams and our hopes. I think Nasha gave us some incredibly great example of that, of how she's doing that in her life. It was fantastic. Uh, my good friend Tony Pignati recently had an experience of aiming to live this way, aiming to live responsively. Tony, would you come up? I'm going to have Tony share his recent experience. There's so many stories. I have them. I hope you do too. But Tony's is, is uh, he's going to talk through how he was aiming to not be proactive and not just sit around as, and reactive, but to be responsive. So I think we have a mic for you here, friend. Yeah. Tony Pignati. Thank you. I really wish Jim hadn't touched this microphone before I have to hold it now. Um, so I'm, um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I, over the past years, a few years, I've been trying to um, live my life this way, like Jim, like Jim was talking about. And um, I think I was up here maybe, maybe the last time Jim spoke, which was several, I don't know, six months ago, eight months ago, something like that, and shared, shared some experiences there. Um, <clears throat> I, I'm a part of a, a group of guys that get together to just kind of share our lives together and, and, and to live in this way. And so I sent this email to them probably about a week ago. And I think I'm just going to, I was going to, I was going to talk through it, but I think I'm just going to read the email because uh, this wasn't choreographed or scripted. And I think it just, I think it would, it would just come up uh, well that way. Um, <clears throat> Here, you want this? Sure. I, I kind of re redid it, and then I, I, I kind of redid it so that I could share it with you. But I'm just going to read. Let me, let me find where it starts. Um, so, so one of the things that I have been trying to do, so, somebody had challenged me um, to keep a pen and paper by my bed to see if God would possibly speak to me in my dreams. And so if he does, you know, if I have a dream, write it down and then process that and see, is this, is this a way that God could be speaking to me? So um, here's where my email picks up. Um, <clears throat> the Bible's filled with stories of the Father speaking to people through their dreams. Could he really do that for me? Uh, so one night I decided to leave a pad of paper and pen on my nightstand in order to record any dreams that I may have in an effort to see if God might actually speak to me through my dreams. Uh, historically, I don't typically remember my dreams, but on the chance that I might have a dream and that God just might speak to me through a dream, I wanted to be ready to write it down. Uh, somewhat to my surprise, that night I had a very vivid and specific dream. It involved a very specific person at a very specific insurance company that assigns work uh, to one of the law partners that I work with. You might remember from the last time I guess I was up here, I'm a lawyer, I represent physicians in medical malpractice cases. Um, in this dream, the man told me that he and his company have noticed the work that I've done. They've recognized that I've been a good friend of their company and that they wanted to welcome me to their team. When I woke up that morning, I was surprised I had a dream because I, I typically don't remember them. Even though I had a dream that I, was, that I remembered, which was the whole point of this pen and paper exercise, I was still somewhat skeptical that God could actually be speaking in the dream, especially about work. After all, maybe it was just my own longings or thoughts. Later that week, I had a second dream, which was, again, shocking to me, uh, in which one of my coworkers was in the dream, and he said, hey, I'm certain this insurance company is going to give you some direct um, assignments. <clears throat> With the second dream, I, I became somewhat more open to the idea that God could speak to me in my sleep. 
and actually I immediately expected to see some new files on my desk from the guy at the insurance company the next morning. Now, to my disappointment, days uh, turned to weeks, turned to months, and I didn't receive a single communication from the guy in my dream and didn't receive any files. Uh, feeling frustrated by the lack of any follow-up on the dreams and with the new thought of getting direct assignments at the forefront of my mind, thanks to my new dreams, I thought maybe I just needed to take matters into my own hands and make it happen. <clears throat> I started running through plans in my mind to call the guy, take him to lunch, ask him directly for files. I think I even made a few phone calls but never got through. <clears throat> Somewhere along the way, uh, however, I got the sense that God is actually asking me not to do anything. The sense is something that I've been trying to come to terms with over the past couple years. The sense was nothing more than what sounded like my own voice inside my head, uh, but I've come to learn that God frequently uses what sounds like my own voice inside my head to speak to me. Uh, since the voice inside my head was saying to do nothing, and it was recurrent, uh, I had the thought over and over again. And it, it was so counter to what seemed logical, I suspected that maybe the thought was actually from God. <clears throat> God continued to tell me to do nothing for several months, and it was far from easy for me to follow that direction. <clears throat> I really tried my best to follow what I, got, I thought God was saying to me. Well, a couple of months into the waiting, my law firm hired a new lawyer with about <clears throat> my same level of experience. And he's much more into networking, pushing himself onto potential clients than I am. And it really seemed to work for him, even in the couple months that I, I had met him. About a month after he joined his law firm, I learned that the guy that was in my dream, the same exact guy, assigned him some files directly. And I was certain that the file got assigned to the wrong guy, but it didn't. And it really felt like God was playing games with me. I was frustrated. It was, it was taking forever. It took, took me a long time to get over this. I wasn't really frustrated that the guy, new guy got a new file. I was happy for him. I was just frustrated by my own confusion. Of, you know, was I hearing from God? Did God actually know what he was doing? Should I just take matters into my own hands like the new guy was? <clears throat> a few weeks later, I was on an airplane flying to California for a work trip. And while I was sitting on the plane, I was, I was like actually steaming over this, this new guy getting new files, like just thinking about like, what is going on here? I remember opening the vent above me because I was so hot, I was so heated. Um, in my effort to get my mind off the new guy, I decided to read an app that I have on my phone called First 15. <clears throat> it, it, it's like a, a devotional app that has some Bible verses, a worship song. It starts off with a Bible verse, and the, literally the first verse that popped up that day was Psalm 37, 7. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. When I read that verse, it was like an instant peace came over me. It renewed, uh, a renewed assurance that I was hearing from God correctly and that I should just wait on him to move. I took a screenshot of the verse to save on my phone as a reminder to come back to when I start doubting God. The doubts came pretty quickly and repeatedly over those next few weeks. <clears throat> About two weeks ago, the new guy we hired had called me over to his office and said, hey, Tony, come over here. Let me show you an email that the partner from, that I work for sent to him. I actually sent to the, uh, someone at the insurance company that the guy from my dreams was working, works at. The email was copied only to this new guy, not to me. The gist of the email was that the partner was too busy to handle a new matter that was sent to him, and he recommended that they send it either to the new guy or to me. While the email mentioned me, I felt slighted by my boss since I wasn't copied on the email, and I saw it as the partner actively campaigning for the new guy instead of me. And I've been working with this partner for 11 years and considered him to be a friend and did not get copied on the email. It, was, it seemed like a big slap in the face from him. <clears throat> in reality, looking back, it was a great thing that the partner did this for me, but 
uh, recommending me to get new, new work, but in the midst of my own frustrations, I couldn't see it. Uh, sitting in my office frustrated again, I remembered the verse and quickly looked back at it. I read back over Psalm 37, 7. Be still in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways. <clears throat> I tried my hardest to wait for the Lord, and I probably read that verse over those next few weeks 20 or 30 times. And it really helped me to get over um, my frustrations and put it out of my mind and, and to wait patiently for the Lord. <clears throat> Last Saturday, and this was a couple of weeks ago, but last Saturday, out of the blue, I received an email, actually, from the guy in my dream. Here's what it said. <clears throat> Ta-da. Ta-da. Uh, Tony, I have a new direct assignment for you. It's a legal defense file. I note your reputation in the plaintiff and defense bar is excellent. Specifically, your, spear, your peers speak highly of you. Further, your efforts protecting and defending our insured so far have been phenomenal. I greatly appreciate all that you do on behalf of the, our, our insureds, and we look forward to working with you for years and years to come. Mm. <clears throat> I get choked up. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> receiving the email was complete confirmation of a bunch of principles that I've been trying to come to terms with for the past few years. Number one, God does speak, and we can hear from him today. Two, God speaks in a number of ways, including dreams and what sounds like our own voice inside of our heads. Three, it's much easier to hear from God when we actively seek to hear his voice. Four, God cares about all aspects of our life, even things like our jobs. Five, it's much better to respond to God's call than to try to proactively or reactively make our own way. Number six, sometimes God's plans don't seem to make logical sense, but they are good. I'm sure there are many things I've forgotten to include in this list, but this is a good start. I don't want... I don't think that God always works the same way in every situation for every person. For instance, I don't want anyone to think that my story is how God is going to work for everyone. He might, but he might not. He called me to wait on him. He might call you to make a thousand telephone calls. The method by which God works is not the point. The point is that God speaks in ways that we can hear, and when we respond in exactly the way that God asks, there's nothing better. I also don't want anyone to think that we'll always know the end of the story. My story seemed to me like it took forever. It seemed like an eternity, and reality was only six weeks or six months. Sometimes the story takes much longer, and I think that my short story here is part of a much larger story I don't know the end to yet. We may never know the end, but we can be assured that God knows the outcome and his plan is perfect. <clears throat> so that was the email that I sent to my, my uh, group of guys a few weeks ago, and, and it's perfect. I mean, it fits exactly what Jim's talking about. It's not easy, but it's, it's awesome. Let's quickly pray for Tony, would you? God, thank you for giving Tony the energy and desire to seek you. We ask that you would double that, that he would seek you even more. And thank you for being trustworthy, that you can care for Tony in all those details. We pray favor and prosperity and good future for Tony in Jesus' name. Thank you. Is Tony, is big, strong Tony experiencing emotion because he's so excited he might get a new case for his law firm? No. He said it in his email, experiencing God speak to us and care for us and hold our hand through any aspect of life, that is what is giving Tony 
that emotion. That is why some of you have the chills. And notice the pattern. Tony, like King David, where was he putting his energy? He was, where was he proactive? Two places. One, at the beginning, where he's like, I don't know, but I'll try it. I'll listen to you any way you speak. And so he put out a notepad. It's kind of, it's kind of goofy. And the second place is when he did hear any direction from God, he responded to it, didn't he? That verse came out, it struck him, rather than going, well, that was nice, and having a nice moment, he put it on his phone and read it and stayed focused. So he was responsive to what God communicated to him. And then he did the difficult and patient waiting. <laughs> oh, oh that's, that's so hard. And God, God took care of it in the way God wanted to. So, I think, I think that, I mean, God's always present and he's always at work and he always wants to carry out his plans for you, but I think that there's a moment right now that God's inviting you into to be able to surrender your current approach to navigating your future. So, self-identify are you in reactive mode, either knocked out of the game due to disappointments or you just don't know what you want, you're sitting around? Or are you in proactive mode? Are you making all those phone calls <laughs> and chasing after what you want? And I'm going to pray right now with you, and I invite you to pray as well. And this is, prayer is not a way to stop a talk at church. This is where we connect with God and do business. This is where there is change. And right now, truly, the Holy Spirit can change you on the inside. And me too. So let's sign up for the responsive way of living, shall we? So good Father, each of us, wherever we are on this continuum, right now we sign the dotted line in permanent Sharpie ink with you to say we're in. You're smarter than I am. You're good. You have a plan for me. It's better than my plan for me. And so I, right now, I surrender my catalogs. It's okay for me to want things. Yes, you put desires in my heart, but those aren't going to be primary. That's not my North Star. I choose you. Now, I kind of want to want to, God. I, I don't... I don't always really want to, but I want to want that. So would you take that and begin in my heart, in their hearts, to actually make it real, that we really do want that. So we sign the dotted line. We, we put you first. And we also surrender the anger, the doubt, the disappointment, the reasons that we feel we've been gypped with a cheap imitation of what we'd hoped for. We surrender that to you as well. And so, would you now put all of us, we enroll into your graduate school of hearing you, of learning how you communicate. Would you increase in our life our ability to sense and understand your communication to us? We say yes. And then, help us respond to that and do what you say. Because you love us and because it makes you famous in the world so other people can know that you love them too. 
So we sign up. Amen. Um, if after the service, something stuck out at you uh, uh, in particular, either A, you say, I wish I heard God more clearly, or I'm stuck in proactive mode or reactive mode, um, I would love to pray with you personally. I won't touch you so you don't get sick. <laughs> I'm nothing special, but I have big belief right now that he wants to increase at a whole level beyond what you can imagine, your experience of connection with him and of him working on your behalf in your life. And I have seen and I want to see more of those massive breakthroughs that can happen so powerfully. So I would love to pray for you and uh, I will be up in this area and uh, would invite you to do so. So, actually I did not look at the sequence of events, but I see Bo coming from stage right. So thank you for being with me and tolerating my nasal voice today. <laughs> I love you all. <laughs>